What eight players would the Charlotte Hornets protect in a potential expansion draft? We give our choices, then we give our list. Top 35 nicknames, top 35 players of all time. Coming up today, Locked On Hornets. You're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. And that does include YouTube. We appreciate everybody hopping on and check and making us your first listen. That's Doug Branson. You can find his work on his Substack, everyhornetspotscore.com. I'm Walker Mail. Listen to me on WFNZ every single weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. Doug, I'd seen this question posed to us a couple of times. I know P1 Jimmy, shout out to Jimmy on Twitter for hopping <laughs> in the old Jimmy. DMs for some content suggestions. I appreciate it. And I had just listened to this episode from Bill Simmons. So this content idea, right? You see it right there on the tag board. Boom, baby. B emoji, expansion, draft, protection. Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo hosted a pod on the Bill Simmons podcast. And they discussed what eight players they would protect for each team that would be vulnerable, giving up players in a potential expansion draft. And of course, this all started with the Bobcats because that was the last time we had an expansion draft. Mm -hmm. The Charlotte Bobcats came into town after the previous Hornets regime heads to New Orleans. We're all devastated. And now we have Tamar Slay on our team. That's kind of how it works. So when you look at <laughs> the players they protected, they protected a lot of teams, yo, yada, yada, and then you boom. Then you get to the Charlotte Hornets last and that nice little 15 second, 20 second dig from Bill Simmons, because that's how it has to go. Says, yeah, the Charlotte Hornets are going to get their player taken last, whoever it is. In Come this on. Unnecessary. It's always unnecessary with Bill Simmons. But hey, yep. you know what I say? You know what I say? It's better to be a joke than to be completely irrelevant. Had they forgotten to even mention the Charlotte Hornets, <laughs> that mm -hmm. may have been even worse. But only one degree slider is being a joke. You know, it's up to this uh, organization now. How do you how do you get Bill Simmons to stop joking about the Charlotte Hornets? And the only way you do that is to win, to be on national television, to win playoff series. That's the way that's the way it has to happen. One hundred percent. Hopefully they can do that. And I don't know what top eight players they would protect, Doug, off the top of my head. So we're going to do this exercise together, kind of like my top 35 Hornets players of all time list. Just something that's free flowing back and forth that we try to figure out. As we move along, we're all having fun. It's all a good time. We're going to try to figure out the top eight players that we would protect. So, Doug, I don't know, because you're you and you did a lot of research for the nickname list, did you do any research on the Bobcats and what their expansion draft looked like? Or did you just want to get right into it with this current roster and protect players already? Uh, I think we <laughs> – listen, if given the choice – between talking about the Bobcats expansion draft and literally any other topic I'm going to select. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you could creatively, if you want to think about this for the next segment, if you want to come up with a topic that I would rather talk about less than the Bobcats expansion draft, I challenge you. I challenge the listeners, the viewers, the YouTube okay. commenters, go ahead and comment on this video of things you think that I or anyone would want to talk about uh, less than the Bobcats expansion draft. So to answer your question, Walker, yes, I would love to just go ahead and dig into this. But first, I want to ask you a question. Why do you okay. think that this, because I got several solicitations as well to talk about this topic. And I'm interested, I don't really know that I have an answer. I'm interested in why people are so interested in this particular topic. 
I think it's really fun to be honest with you. <laughs> and it's summer season and it's draft. Yeah. And I just think people heard it and they want to apply it to their team and hear it a little more in depth as to, okay, here we are talking about not necessarily phenomenal depth, but we are talking about some people that it'd be hard to choose between, right? If you were to protect top eight guys. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why, but I think it's just more of the fun. Um, let me tell you, as far as a radio host in the summer goes, love me some drafts. Doesn't matter what you're drafting. <laughs> you can do an expansion draft. You can do a fast food burger draft. You can do fries draft. We just did that. A lot of it's surrounding food a lot of the time. Yeah. So I think when drafts and sports can meet one another, yeah, people are going to eat it. Well, up. I think I think you're right there. I think there is an element of like picking the pickup basketball team. You know, you are like picking players that you're going to keep and picking players that you're not going to keep. There's a fantasy draft element to it. I also think that right. this is a, a particularly interesting topic and probably why it was a topic on this Bill Simmons podcast is that it's going to be reality at some point, probably not next season. And that's how we're framing this particular discussion. We're going to do this as if it's going to happen next offseason. And so all the players that the Hornets are dra have drafted already will be available in this in this pick -em. I think Bill Simmons did it like pre this draft, I think maybe. But anyway, so it could be a reality a couple of seasons from now when the NBA ushers in you know, two new franchises could be Vegas, could be Seattle. I'm still keeping my fingers crossed for Nashville, but it's looking like Vegas and Seattle. But this is reality. I mean, we could actually be discussing this a, a couple of seasons from now. And so might as well do it now and go ahead and get some of these guys into certain lists. So I've got a spreadsheet here up on the screen. I've got all of the names of the players that would be available uh, I even put P.J. Washington in there, even though P.J. Washington's still a restricted free agent, Teo Maladon as well. We're just going to assume that the Hornets find some way to bring these two individuals back. So we're going to add them to the list, and we get to protect eight. I've got a maybe list here that we can, and then you know maybe just set them free. I'm just going to name this, uh, this column set them free. So if we have someone that we <laughs> want to put in that list. So I say we just go down the line here and, and we just start putting well, people whole, into these the, buckets. The one, rule I, the one rule I wanted to make clear, at least they did this with the Bill Simmons pod. They did not include rookies. So Brandon Miller, he's already protected and does not count against your eight total slots. Well, that's so no fun. That we would that's no fun. I want to I want to okay. include him <laughs> because, again, I would like to play this game. As if okay. it actually could happen, and it could happen in maybe like two, a couple of seasons when Brandon Miller wouldn't be protected. So, and the Hornets, <laughs> okay, you know, it's not like crazy to think that this could be the same list of players two or three seasons from now. Because even though the Hornets are changing, uh, you know, ownership, uh, they they've been talking about being patient and not making crazy moves. So who knows? They could still have this same roster of players. So I think we play the game with the rookies. Okay, that's fair. Um, I think, so if we just want to get started right away, there are three musts. LaMelo Ball is an immediate protect. Okay. Mark Williams is an immediate protect. I agree. And Brandon Miller. Those are your three immediate. I You don't have to have one single IQ point to protect those three players. And there are a lot, there's some easier calls as well, but I think those are the three you have to start with first and foremost. Nobody is more valuable than those three players on the roster. I, I like that. I, I'm not going to disagree with any of those selections. You know, I, I think if, if we were completely taking context out of it, if we weren't considering, 
you know, the fact that he'll be an unrestricted free agent next season and the domestic violence charges and the what ifs can, you know, will will he be able to rehabilitate his image? I think you would also consider putting Miles Bridges into the protect category. But I don't I don't know if that's going to affect things, if it makes him if it puts him in the maybe category. I'll tell you two guys that you you probably throw in the maybe category, but but would look at possibly setting them free would be Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. What do you think about that? Yeah, the the thing, the reason I'd keep Gordon Hayward is because you're going to get maybe category is totally fine. They can move left or right at that point. We can we can move them back. But I just think for the sure. Sure. Well, my 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 case for keeping Gordon Hayward is that he's going to come off of the books after this season, you know, so so the reason it doesn't do you any good to not protect him. Right. He's going to help you when he's on the floor. If he's hurt, okay, you live with it, and he's going to come off of the books this season anyway. There's a team that might want to trade for Gordon Hayward so they can free up $30 million in cap space. I think Gordon Hayward, to me, it's actually a pretty easy protect, and everybody's going to act like Gordon Hayward, oh, no, we need to let him free. Who cares? Well, you're about to set him free anyway. Wait one more season, and then you can create $30 million in cap space. Now, I guess you could do it by somebody else taking him, but then you wouldn't have any trade asset. I just find the value in keeping him on the roster. I think you protect PJ Washington as well because we're going to assume here that they've given him a longer term contract. I, th- you know, why would you do that? And then you- do you want to go like three fifteen million a year, so like a three year forty five mil? Sure. For- yeah. I mean, if if they come to a deal, it's going to be in favor of the Hornets. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right. that right now. It's not going to be in favor of PJ Washington's eighteen or the qualifying or, offer yeah. or the qualifying offer. So I think you protect PJ Washington. Let's go. Let's get some guys in the set them free bucket. I mean, I think Book Knight, Kai Jones, Frank yeah. uh, Nilakina. You know, I think I think Teo, JT Thor. I mean, I think all those guys can go over here into the set them free bucket. Um, any any yeah. disagreements there? No, zero disagreements. And then we're going to get into the rookies, which I know is not the way that Bill Simmons played it, but I think it makes this conversation a little bit more interesting because now we have five slots in the protect. I mean, I think we're setting Terry Rozier free, right? I mean that if somebody wants to take that contract on, you know, I think it would, it's, it would ultimately help the Hornets. It's the hardest decision to, for me, but, but also, also maybe not. I mean, because you're, you're trying to trade them last year. Reports were that you wanted to find a deal at the deadline. You couldn't do it. And now Terry Rozier is, is, you know, coming back, still multiple deals. This is not uh, multiple years. It's not a Gordon Hayward thing where he's going to be off the books after this season. Yeah, I'd probably lean more towards Terry Rozier gone. Is there any LaMelo factor that you care about bringing Terry back and helping him out in the backcourt? Because you, you're you not – I mean, who are you starting, right? You're going with Cody Martin. You're Well, you accelerate asking. You accelerate Brandon Miller starting at the two, I think. I mean, I think that's where you, you ultimately land at that point. And you then you protect Miles Bridges and you play him at the three. You're going to protect Miles. Right. Yeah. So now we've got six protects, LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, Mark Williams. I think people are going to disagree with your Hayward take about protecting. I get the – you know, it comes off the books pretty quickly. No, I, yeah. it, it, I think, you know, um, if you did – if it meant – because here's here's the situation that we find ourselves in now. We have three sp- spots left for six players: Cody Martin, Nick Richards, Bryce McGowan, Nick Smith Jr., Amari Bailey, James Naji. So at that point, you know, you, now you've got to protect three players. If it meant protecting four players and leaving Gordon Hayward out there, it doesn't mean that Gordon Hayward's going to get selected. Um, I don't know how tempting he would be to a team because you're not. 
He is older. You know, these expansion drafts tend to target um, some, you know, more younger players on favorable contracts, guys that you know you have a chance of keeping later on. So I don't know that Gordon Hayward would necessarily be all that attractive. But anyway. So the the reason you would do it is because if you're an expansion team, then you would just be in asset collection mode. Yeah. So if you if you think Gordon Hayward is an asset and then, yeah, you, it's not like you have a ton of, I, you know, I, the cap space would be interesting for the expansion team, but then you could just move off of Gordon after a year anyway. Like that's the appeal. And And let's talk about this aspect too. You know, the actual basketball part of this field a team the, the hornets still have to protect the guys that would actually get minutes and help them out right now in the set them free category terry rogier is the only one that would help your team right now that is gone i i like teo i like jt thor we get the idea they're lower rotation minute type of guys except for terry rogier so if gordon hayward's gone then you're i guess you could open up the door for brandon miller if another team takes him and then you would keep terry yeah, I, I just like Gordon because of the one year left on the deal anyway. Okay, I say we we take a quick break. We come back. We've got six players left. Cody Martin, Nick Richards, Bryce McGowan, Nick Smith Jr., Amari Bailey, and James Naji. Who will be the three? It's like American Idol. Who will be the final three protected by the Lockdown Hornets podcast? <laughs> do they still do that? Do you still text your winners? I have no I'm still voting for Clay Aiken. I, I still believe that he can win. Oh yeah, I'll I'll never stop believing. I'm gonna text a text L O H to five 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 C L T five 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 C L T. All right, coming up next, Lockdown Hornets. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Play American Idol Expansion Draft Edition, and then we start to get into the list. Top thirty-five nicknames going to come up in the second segment. Not before I talk to you about Fanduel, though. Football season—it's about to kick off, and Fanduel is giving you the chance to win all season long. It's why this episode is brought to you by Fanduel. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Every single time they win in the regular season, you get bonus bets. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every single victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and even more than that. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. More LockedOn Hornets coming up next. Okay, Doug, so we have six protected, and we have six guys on the loose. No more, no longer protected. They could come back as a member of the team, right? I'm I mean, just, yeah, I'm just now realizing that my math was wrong. So we, because I, I think I still had Gordon Hayward in the maybe category, so we can protect two right. out of these six. I, said, I think I said three out of the six. I was promised there would be no math. I didn't take any math in college because okay. uh, I was okay at it, but I didn't want to do it. And so here we are. I'm paying for it now. It was two. We've got two left, not three. That's okay. All right. So who are the guys that you're looking to protect out of the rest of the six, honestly, that we have six, 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 baby. It's a healthy number. Who are you picking out of the six that we have still to choose from? Well, I'm going to eliminate Cody Martin and Nick Richards from my considerations because Cody Martin, weird health stuff going on. Is he a hundred percent healthy? You know, will, will he not, will he not be the wrong twin eventually? I think there, there are enough question marks out there that I don't feel the need to protect that player. Nick Richards, you just signed him to the extension. It, it is, he is at a, a valuable, he's valuable in that he's your backup center at a position that you don't have a ton of depth in. You're already not protecting Kai Jones, but I, I don't, I don't, 
know how valuable Nick Richards would be to an expansion team only because he certainly is is an athletic big uh, but but not somebody that can shoot or at least hasn't shown that we think he's hiding it under a bushel we think he can shoot but other teams won't know that because there hasn't been any evidence of it uh, so I'm confident that Nick Richards would come back anyhow so I don't feel the need to protect there so I'm looking at Bryce McGowan's I think I would protect Bryce McGowan's and I would protect Nick Smith Jr. Those would be my two, Amari Bailey, James Najee. I'm not sure that those two players would be entirely attractive to a Vegas or a Seattle. I would be yeah. confident those guys would come back. But Nick Smith Jr. has enough tape, high school tape, you know, of, of explosive offense that I think a team would take a bet on him. And then Bryce McGowan's, I just think generally because of his versatility, because of his potential offensively for this team, is too valuable not to protect. So you just gave him a contract and you uh, you changed his two-way last year to a longer-term deal. I think I'm with you on Bryce and Nick Smith Jr. Wow. It's – I well, look. The agreement. I agree with you. I don't think anybody's going to take James Najee, Cody Martin. Uh, Cody Martin and Nick Richards. I like The reason I like Nick Richards' deal is, you know, he's a good enough backup center – but also he could be a, a a nice sweetener in any potential trade you were looking to make because he's only making $5 million a season. And so Nick Richards would make some sense to keep, but not, not really. I think that's a guy that you would probably set free. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's the list. The Terry Rozier thing. I mean, I don't know. It feels wrong, right? I, it just, it feels wrong to not protect him. but I, I'm, I'm with you on an expansion team. If they wanted to draft him, then it would mean they want a 20 point a game uh, scorer to come in and help put butts in the seats, yeah. uh, seats to have like an actual watchable product. Yeah. In a, in a scenario where we didn't do rookies, because we only protected two of the rookies, Miller and Nick Smith Jr., your two first round selections this season. Mm -hmm. So in that scenario where we didn't do rookies, I think I'm probably just protecting Nick Richards and Cody Martin, the last two that we set free. Because to your point, you still have to field a team, and Nick Richards and Cody Martin are due to play. A, not the most significant, but a significant role in the rotation next season. So you would want to make sure that you had both of those players available because the well, the wing position is is somewhat deep. So if you lost Cody Martin, you know you, there would be some way to replace that. But if you lost Nick Richards, then all of a sudden that's the one that I have the that I'm probably most questioning myself on setting free is Nick Richards because your backup is Kai Jones, and and you might have to go now fishing at the bottom of the barrel for a true backup center. So, JT Thor I might keep before both of them. Um, JT Thor is someone that Steve Clifford likes a lot. JT does have <clears throat> nice defensive potential. I and Yeah, that one's tough. I think JT Thor is, is someone we're not talking about as much, but that's somebody that I would – really consider i get what you're saying about nick richards uh, is who's easier to find in free agency to be a backup is it somebody like jt or is it somebody like nick richards i, I might say nick richards is a little easier to find well i would say it would be di more difficult to find uh, a nick richards but jt thor i'm president of the more thor movement so i think a lot of people are surprised that i haven't put up i think you lost that title no i, I don't did know. not I think you got overthrown. Yeah, listen no 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 yeah, there are no coups there are no coups allowed in the, the more <laughs> thor movement i have my fortress is extremely fortified i have the military on my side the more thor movement is alive and well and i'm the head of it but here's why i think if he goes to another team he's going to have 
more minutes. He might have more of a role on an expansion team than he would with the Charlotte Hornets this season, unless they were to move Gordon Hayward if they were to move, but I, which I don't think they're going to do, by the way. I think Gordon Hayward ends up playing out his contract and then that comes off the books and gives the team more flexibility. But mm-hmm. I think that Thor is going to get more minutes on another team. So that's why I didn't protect him. I want to set him. Okay. If you love something, good sometimes spin. if you love something, you have to set it free. It's a good spin. Do you want to do your nicknames right now? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So okay. top 35 nicknames we did. 35 through 31. I'm so excited. I don't think this show is any better than when uh, we do these kinds of lists and less people are watching. And I'm not saying that's a great thing. <laughs> I think this show is at its best you know, in the silly season uh, when, so when fewer people are watching. But that's okay because you're the few, the proud, the sickos uh, that watch this uh, when no one else is. <laughs> All right, so number 30, you're going to hate this one. I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to be upset that this is so low on my list. But number 30 is Glenn Rice, his nickname, G-Money. You're right. I hate it. I wish it was higher. (laughs) All right, so uh, G-Money, great, uh, I think, great 90s nickname. He got it when he was a, a member of the Miami Heat the uh, the G is for guaranteed. That's the quote from John Sally. He told the Orlando Sentinel in 1994, when he shoots it, you just know it's going in. Rice earned that nickname G Money from his teammates because of that smooth jump shot that was on display when he played for the Charlotte Hornets as well. And he got the all-star uh, MVP, did a lot for the Charlotte Hornets, especially because, you know, you trade Alonzo Mourning. And I think a lot of people were thinking apocalyptically about the Charlotte Hornets, who had just started to become relevant in the Eastern Conference. You know, they get the playoff series win, and it looked like, wow, they've got a, they, they've got a core here. This is going to go well. And then it all falls apart with Alonzo. And so you trade for Glenn Rice, and it goes poorly in that 95-96 season. But then they get rid of LJ, and they bring in Anthony Mason, and things start to really gel, and they win 50 games a couple of times. So Glenn Rice, a big part of Hornets history. I docked it a little bit because it, it just feels a little too easy. G money. The shot is money, G money, but it is a good nineties nickname, and that's why it's number 30. Um, man, and so th- the simplicity, you don't think it's very creative, and that's why you think it's this low on the list. Okay. That's well, fine. but it's still top it's it. still top thirty-five out of two hundred and fifty-eight players. That's the thing. Even when you're thirty, it might be low <laughs> relative to the list, but it's not low. It's an honor just to be on the list. And G Money right? makes the list. Well, we can workshop it. It's totally fine. What's I'm not changing this list. This list is <laughs> in stone tablets. All right, number twenty-nine. This is a good one. Ricky Pierce, whose nickname was Big Paper Daddy. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Big Paper Daddy. <laughs> This was uh, that's good. like the long form. That's the written out version of G Money. Is big paper daddy. Right. That's, yeah, that's what I'm that saying. Is, if Glenn Rice had been a big paper daddy, that would have that would have because of Glenn Rice's contributions to the Hornets would have shot big paper daddy probably up into the top ten. The only thing that holds big paper daddy down this list is the fact that Ricky Pierce. Uh, made a bigger impact with Seattle and some other teams than he did with Charlotte. But mm-hmm. this uh, nickname uh, came to him via the Supersonics. Dana Barros uh, called Ricky Pierce under his breath. He said, Big Paper Daddy, when Ricky Pierce hit a midcourt shot, just said, Whew, Big Paper Daddy. 
And then a Sonics play-by-play announcer picked that up, heard that, and started calling it, calling Ricky Pierce Big Paper Daddy because he heard Dana Barros say under his breath, oh, Big Paper Daddy. That's very good. It's <laughs> it's really good. So, okay, I'm a little less mad myself. See, this is the problem with these lists when we get mad before we hear the next thing, that it's that we get mad without knowing what's coming next. And so I apologize. Big Paper Daddy is very good. All right, I don't want to eat into your list, so I'm going to go a little faster here. Number 28, Kurt Rambis Rambo. What do you think? Rambo. If we think G money is too easy, do we not think Rambo is too easy? Here's why I like Rambo a little bit better, because if you look at so his other nickname was Superman given to him by Chick Hearn because he looks like Clark Kent. And so when he would go off in a game for the Lakers, then they would call him Superman. But I like Rambo better because when you look at Kurt Rambis, just the body type. The, gla- the thick black rim glasses. This is not a man that you look at and go, that's Sylvester Stallone holding a Gatling gun or whatever the kind of gun he was holding in that Rambo movie. This is not a Rambo body figure. But when he got into the post and he did this for the Hornets, when they beat the Chicago Bulls, he had the game-winning buzzer beater in the Coliseum in 1988. Uh, this, is, this is the guy that you look at and go, that, when he gets in the post... He goes Rambo. And so I like it. Okay. Kurt Rambis Rambo. Okay. What's your next one? Number 27. Dell. Wardell Stephen Curry. Dell. Oh, this one is going to need some explanation. Okay. Look, I guess it's technically a nickname. Steph, technically a nickname. Go ahead. Why is Dell on the list at this spot? Because Wardell Curry never wins sixth man of the year. If you come into the league as Wardell Curry, I'm sorry, you're never winning sixth man of the year. You are not becoming ambassador to this team. Do you think so? Do you think Wardell Curry is ever winning an NBA award? But you could also have a, a really cool nickname if you incorporated the war part of it more. I mean, war is it, you, you got so many different things there. You could be a star. Then you could be a star war. That'd be excellent. Boom. That's right off the top of the dome. It'd be great. You could have your war cry anytime that you hit a three point shot. I don't know, Doug. I like the war part of Del Curry. Well, here's something interesting. What if he goes by his middle name? You know, how do you think Stephen Curry would have done in the NBA? <laughs> <laughs> That's, I think Steph. Steph doesn't have the same ring to it as Adele. I don't think Steph Curry would be very good. Hey, did you know that the Hornets were not very, uh, they were very close to not getting Del Curry. There's a big like what if in terms of the expansion draft. We've already talked about expansion draft, but that 88 expansion draft, uh, they, they came into the league, the Charlotte Hornets did with Miami. The Hornets won the coin toss that they do for the expansion draft when multiple teams are in it. The Hornets won, and they took the better of the two picks. It was eight or nine. They took the eight pick. They used that on Rex Chapman. But they got the worst pick, the second pick, in the expansion draft. And so Dell was considered one of the better players available, and Miami could have easily taken him. Um, but the Heat made a deal with the Dallas Mavericks to not take Bill Winnington, a center, and so uh, Miami got a pick out of that. They got Dallas's first-round pick and a center from the Dallas Mavericks, and that gave the Charlotte Hornets the opportunity with the second overall pick in the expansion draft to take Del Curry. Another really quick interesting fact, they, Miami also made a deal with the Los Angeles Lakers not to take Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and got a pick out of that. That's a big that what if, right? Happen, if the Hornets yeah. get Kareem. Right. That'd been fantastic. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. That'd been very good. All final right. one. So- final one. Number 26. Armin Gilliam, the black hole. Oh, different. 
That's uh, right. You said the hammer was coming up. The hammer's going to be further up the list. The black hole is a bad nickname, though. Wow, really? Well, because it indicates that he doesn't pass. That's why I got the black hole, because I, I did this whole, you know, rabbit hole thing when we were discussing on every Hornets box score, right? That's what I thought anyway. So I knew you were going to say that. I anticipated that. And I'll tell you, I'm going to flip it and say it was actually a good nickname at the time okay. be because it, it would be a bad nickname now because the league is not centered around the center position anymore and it's a more free-flowing offensive game in general than it was back when Armand Gilliam was playing and mm -hmm. so it, it, it's all right to be a black hole when you're a 20 points per game score which he was for the Charlotte Hornets he put up like 20 and 9 like he yeah. was a really good score when you threw the ball down to him yes it didn't come back out but more not. likely than not it was gonna go in the basket and so in that way I like the okay. black hole as a nickname Okay, very good. The that's black it. hole that's makes that's the list. All I got 25 more, but that's it for now. Okay, that's good. I like the, the nicknames are fun. I'm trying to think. I really like Big Paper Daddy. That's my favorite one that I've heard so far. It's that a good one. So when good. I stumbled upon that, um, yeah. I smiled a lot. It needed to make the list. That's just how it is. Okay, coming up next, Lockdown Hornets. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. You heard the nicknames. Now it's time for the top 35 players in franchise history. We end on a good note, and we're just having fun. We're testing things out. We're workshopping ideas. Coming up next, Lockdown Hornets. All right, Doug, it's time. The top 35 Hornets of all time list. Okay, you're still mad at me because I made not only one change, but you talked me into another one. And then we move on from that section, and then we go to a different one. And then we workshop this idea because we're doing it in sections. I know you're a big fan of that. Well, I'm trying to put this thing online, but it's like trying to hit a moving target at this point. I mean, I can't, I can't get a beat <laughs> on it. That. You know, I, I need, I need you to just give me the list so that mm -hmm. I can tell people this is the list. The list yeah. keeps changing. So, so 35 through 31, set in stone. We, we're, we're moved on from it. We, we've already talked about it. It's gone. No more talking about it. Hornets scoring it, scoring it. Armin Gilliam, Cody Zeller. Gordon Hayward, Jason Richardson, Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier comes in at 31. You convinced me to move him above Jason Richardson. 30 through 25. I'm going to go with six players today because it fits the category. The category today is the power hour. The power hour hits in a couple of different ways. <laughs> okay. The power hour. You got some power forwards on this list. Okay. You got some brutes of human beings. And there's one guy that may have played in the backcourt, but you'll get the idea on why he might be a power hour member in the backcourt once we get to him. So number 30 on the list, a big old drop from the top 30 list here, Doug, after, you know, I'm, I'm wiser, I'm more mature. Matt Geiger, number 30. Unbelievable. Where was he on the top 30 list? The top 30 list, I knew you would ask that. Well, just get Jimmy, just give me a ballpark. Just get you don't have to give me the exact answer. Just give me a ballpark. No, 21. I, okay, I gave 21. you the exact answer. So he goes 20. How does he draw? How does Mac? It's only been yep. five years, and somehow do you have how can you have in five years? I mean, Max, you would add five players that weren't on the previous list to this list. Mm -hmm. Like, how does he drop nine spots? Because I'm older and wiser now, Doug, because I realize the mistakes. I'm sorry. Do you not have any regrets? Yeah, it makes sense. Matt Geiger comes in at number 30. <laughs> Doing this on. list. That's my biggest regret. Number 29. The Gap Man, Kenny Gaddison. Uh, yeah. The, the fact that he's on this list is okay with me. I don't really, I don't really, and the fact that he's still top 30. Uh, you know, that's, I'm Deserves not going to be it. mad at that. I love the Gap Man. 
it deserves it. And it's because of things like that, that matters, that emotion that you feel. The reason that I actually saw a Kenny Gaddison shirt sold in the team store because they're selling enough of them for a power forward that averaged double digits like one time in his career. Yeah, that love matters when we do this stuff. Well, do you want to break down Matt Geiger and Kenny Gaddison or do you want to keep going? Well, I'll just say on the Kenny Gaddison front, um, early Hornets, Kenny Gaddison was a major major minor contributor like I mean obviously he wasn't like putting up big stats um, but he was you know janitorial duty all the way and Larry Johnson fought to keep Kenny Gaddison on the team when he heard the team this would be the first of many uh, disputes that Larry Johnson would get into with management over players being traded ultimately it resulted in Larry yeah. Johnson himself being traded <laughs> because uh, he often uh, you know locked horns with George Shin and company but Larry Johnson fought via the media and directly with management to keep Kenny Gaddison on the squad because of the value that he saw so if you like Larry Johnson if you adore that era of Hornets basketball then you also must adore the Gap Man, Kenny Gaddison. Well, so another thing is people think about that era with Kenny Gaddison. Played in two. So he played six years with the Charlotte Hornets. He averaged double-digit points per game one time when he averaged 12.7, but that was on a bad Hornets team, and he started 71 games. So he got to see a couple of different uh, success stories with mm -hmm. this Hornets team where you didn't have very much, but when you did have Zoe, when you did have LJ, you still were a six-man. You were the first guy off of the bench, or you were starting – and you were helping contribute for six straight seasons in a couple of different eras, right? The Charlotte Hornets are measured, <clears throat> excuse me, are measured in many eras. Yeah. So when you go because not, not stays wait, hold that on, hold on, hold on, not many M A N Y. <laughs> they haven't had many eras, but they've no. had little. Well, mini they have <laughs> compared to other. I guess they've had what two? And if you want to talk about ownership eras, but right, you're guys. right. Yes, many eras. M I N I, like many, many eras. Yes, Kenny Gaddison played in a couple of them. So loved player Matt Geiger. The reason he's at 30 so pretty big contributor for the best Hornets teams that we've ever seen as far as the win-loss column comes and six man off the bench same thing started quite a few games in his three years here with the Charlotte Hornets uh you know was a part of the 54 win club if I'm not mistaken so Matt Geiger comes in at 30 felt like the longevity and the love for Kenny Gaddison pushed Kenny above Matt Geiger let's move on this one's going to be controversial are you ready for it go ahead Another big fall, Derek Coleman, twenty-eight. Yeah, the bigger they yeah. are, the, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought Derek Coleman DC. above Kenny Gaddison. Everybody loves Kenny Gaddison more. There's no question. You mm -hmm. love the Gap Man more. Sure. Derek Coleman was a better player. No, now no with doubt. the Hornets, I mean, more talented for sure. Right. Now this is something that I found in a Who Wore It Best rod boone athletic article by the way so he wrote an article on who wore the jersey number the best hey for every, when did he yeah, write this what, when did he i, I think he know. i did let me get i need uh, a i need a dateline on that one because you know i i want to have a conversation with our guy rod if he uh, stole our idea that's right so this is what he wrote about Derek coleman who he says wore it best with the number 44 and kenny gaddis and Derek coleman they both wore number 44 so no one ever questioned Coleman's knack for putting the ball in the bucket. His, his attitude and his carefree nature were, though, case in point. There was a stretch. The Hornets were 34-14 and 14 without Derek Coleman and 12-22 and 22 with Derek Coleman. A character, even with his infamous quote, 
whoop-de-damn-doo line. Even if it didn't come with the Charlotte Hornets, it's still worth mentioning. Well, just because. So Derek Coleman also had a pretty big offensive series in a playoff series loss against Philadelphia in 2000. But in the one they actually win and then they compete against Milwaukee, he was non-existent. Like, so Coleman, kind of an empty stats guy, but also we one-time all-star. This and, an, was and, and an empty calories guy. Yeah, big-time empty calories. So I have Derek Coleman one spot ahead of Kenny Gaddison. Don't feel great about it. I'm sure the fans don't either. I just feel like the talent was enough to surpass somebody that we love so much in Kenny. It's fine. I mean, you know, I just think okay. I, I have too many disappointing memories of Derek Coleman because there, there have been, if you look back at the first run of the Charlotte Hornets, there were just these seasons and moments and injuries and things that would crop up that would keep Charlotte from reaching their full potential. It was just, it felt like it was always something. It was the injury to Mashburn. It was the injury to Mason. It was LJ's, uh, you know, the LJ Glenn Rice year that things didn't mesh, which Muggsy was also injured for. And then you look at Derek Coleman during that era too, coming in and, and not living up to really what I think Charlotte was bargaining for when they acquired yeah. Derek Coleman. And it's just one of many where you go, man, there were so many almost. And why it hurts so much is because if one of those almosts isn't almost, and they make an Eastern Conference Finals, which was certainly the potential was there, even if you get, because really if you start to zero in on the post-Jordan era, you know that's when you look at it, and, and the couple of years they, that he took a break, and then right after he retired, those were moments when the Hornets were good, and mm-hmm. they could have done yeah. it, and they didn't. And if one of those hits, you and I are doing Locked On Hornets, where we're also covering Hornets from 2002 until 2014, where they're also the Charlotte Hornets. There's no Bobcats. They don't exist because they never move, and that's what hurts um, the most. And last thing about Derek is he averaged close to 17 points on a team that won 49 games. It was the fourth best record the Hornets have still ever posted. I Yeah, big, big part of one of the best teams in franchise history. Let's move on. Number 27, a part of the power hour. Raymond Felton. Oh, wow. Ray. <laughs> he was a bowling ball by the end. Yeah, of it. He was a bowling, bowling ball. ball to Shakur himself. Raymond Felton played, you know, quite a bit for the Bobcats. Actually, as we came across when we were discussing who wore it best, Raymond Felton, his last year with the Bobcats, started and had a good year mm-hmm. on a playoff team. Mm-hmm. So finally, the culmination of very, very bad Bobcats basketball, in part because Ray didn't hit his potential as much as we all thought he would early enough, but still got a lot of minutes because you were fielding a pretty bad team. He did put together a nice stretch of his career, and it started with his last season in Charlotte, eventually played with Carmelo, had some nice seasons in New York. Mm -hmm. And so it got it it was a late launch, but we got to launch it a little bit. I I like Ray. I think most people do. Um, I've got him at number 27 ahead of Derek Coleman. It felt like the right spot for me. Well, we should have we should have finished the launch. I mean, we should have watched Raymond Felton continue to play for the Bobcats, but it was because of because Larry Brown fell in love with DJ Augustine. I mean, there are a lot of ripple effects of that love affair. Yeah. One of them was, you know, Felton leaving. Uh, the other is not selecting or not having Brooke Lopez on the team. Uh, you know, so like, yeah, I mean, that's 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 a difficult one. Ray, Raymond Felton, uh, but big contributor for the Bobcats, uh, was definitely a popular pick because he was from UNC 
and yeah. you know stayed on the team unlike Sean May. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of love for Raymond. I think he deserves to be on the top thirty list for his contributions in in an era that was very difficult for fans. He towards, was a, he, towards he was the a top. Spot. Did towards the top in assists. Yeah. So Raymond Felton, you know, maybe compiling, but still 27th on the list. It's not like we're putting in top 20. Right. Um, next two, I'll go quick, but these were the guys that I had a hard time going back and forth between. Marvin Williams comes in at number 26. Wow. Too low. Okay. I thought that too, but I don't think I'm going to be changing this one. 25 on the list, PJ Brown. The big cats. So Mar this is another, this is going to be a constant theme. Longevity versus impact. Marvin Williams, you know, good player, three point specialist, media award member, still with the organization because he is a phenomenal ambassador of basketball. And now the Charlotte Hornets that matters when we're ranking what he can do was never on any team better than the first round playoff exit that they had. So I think that's something that might be a point against him. And he still wasn't even, you know, a top two, three player on that team. PJ Brown, Doug, if you want to go to the last two members of an all defensive team in the NBA, Gerald Wallace, you would hit before you get back to that era. And then it's PJ Brown, who is a three time member of the all NBA defensive team once with the Charlotte Hornets. PJ Brown played like, almost 40 minutes a game against Milwaukee in the most competitive series that meant anything to this franchise defensive stalwart mobile, like ahead of his time to some degree, when you're talking about six ten, listed at six eleven on basketball reference could absolutely go out there on the perimeter, but also challenge at the rim had some offensive nights where he wasn't. Yeah. He's not going to destroy you and take you off the dribble offensively. I, I measured P.J. Brown's impact, right? I, I thought this was someone that was a really important player, like really important to a, to a team that got the furthest in the postseason this franchise has still ever been. And I'm rewarding defense. Uh, Marvin was a good defender, but he won P.J. Brown. He's the quarterback of the defense, according to Steve Clifford. Total it led the team in win shares that season that they got that got to the uh, second round and lost to Milwaukee. Marvin Williams, 26, love him to death. PJ Brown at 25. That's the power hour concluded. Well, and, and look, power players like, yeah, PJ Brown was the power player. Marvin, uh, you, you would not want, he was our like captain of the back alley team. Like he definitely could throw down. Um, but yeah, beefy in terms of beef, in terms of just like grade A beef, that's going to go to PJ Brown. A fun nickname thing for PJ Brown. He was known as the big cat. A lot of players have been known as the big cat. He's not the most famous big cat. But what's interesting is that the Hornets uh, drafted Jamal McGlure. And, and Jamal McGlure was a center, but ultimately would kind of re replace P.J. Brown in the lineup when they moved to New Orleans. And McGlure, also known as the big cat. So they drafted a big cat to take over for the big cat while they were in Charlotte. Wasn't... Uh, mm. Wasn't Jerry Richardson? I mean, wasn't he known as the big cat? Yes, he was. There were a lot of um, in 2001 and 2002. There were a lot of big cats roaming around uptown Charlotte. Uh, who do you? Yeah, I think of Andres Galarraga. That's the first big yeah, cat I think yeah, of. Yeah, I think a lot of folks here in in Charlotte would think of Andres Galarraga uh, because he was an Atlanta Brave, and there are a lot of Braves fans in sure. Charlotte. But yeah, so a couple of guys named the big cat. I don't think PJ Brown was the most famous one, but then you draft Jamal McGlure. Too many cats. Too many cats in the old cat house. Meow.
<laughs> I don't know where the cats live, I guess. So so the power hour, 30, Matt Geiger, 29, Kenny Gaddison, 28, Derek Coleman, 27, Raymond Felton, 26, Marvin Williams, 25, Marf. PJ Brown. Big Would cat. you still have Marvin above PJ after you heard my case? I think you have to because, P, you know, the tough thing, even though my heart is with Marvin, the tough thing is that when you talk about a player that contributed significantly to a team that had Eastern Conference finals potential, <laughs> it would be ridiculous to get up here and try to make an argument for Marvin Williams. Love him. I mean, how can you not? If you don't like Marvin, you're the problem. I think That's both of them should be higher. I got to hear the rest of your list, but my, my okay. instinct is to make Marvin and – PJ Brown. Look, this is a list that's going to have to hinge on these role players because the Hornets don't, you know, the Hornets roster, the 285 players don't feature a lot of like yeah. superstars in their prime. So, you know, it's these little, it's these sicko brigade type of players that we got to talk about. Um, that's fair because this one was a tough section for me to rank. And so we'll see. Hey, I'm sticking with it. Not making any changes. We'll there see. You go, Doug. We got a lot of. We got a lot. You know, we'll see next episode if you come back and send flip Marvin and and PJ. We'll find out. Ah, uh, you're right. Derek Coleman's off the list. Oh That'll do God. it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pod. That includes YouTube. Make your second listen. Game to game NBA, especially in the middle of the season. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game has you covered for every contest, uh, every contest across the country. A contest, crouton, <laughs> don't know where I was going with that. That's how we're going to end it, though. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you next week. Contest. Sometime. 